hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This episode is brought to you by SRB Field Rests. Your shotgun, bow, or rifle is an extension of who you are as a hunter. Whether you're hunting snows in a muddy mess of a field, mallards in the marsh, or whitetail from a ground blind, SRB Field Rests has your back. A local Kansas company that provides an easy to use, simple, and ergonomically effective solution to just awkwardly holding onto your gun or your bow when you do not need to. Allowing you to have more freedom, comfort, and safety in the field. Enter discount code FOULFRONT at checkout for 10% off your order of any SRB field rest today. This episode is also brought to you by Oak Barn Beef, a direct-to-consumer, family-owned farm that delivers high-quality, DNA-tested, dry-aged Nebraska beef from their family to yours. You can select from a wide variety of boxes. My personal favorite is the Husker Beef Package, which combines jerky, ground beef, steaks, and a brisket. These packages are perfect for families, get-togethers, out-of-town hunts, or for you outfitters looking to upgrade your table fare for your clients. Order yours today at oakbarnbeef.com. And what's really important is that we band together, we speak with one voice. And I was like, you sure? Because I've got two kids, I don't want it to ruin your hunt. And you're like, yeah, yeah, just coming home with me. Just take your time. Like I said, it would have killed a normal man, but I'm not normal, but you know. When you said, why do you want to talk about that? To me, it was kind of like, oh my gosh, there's so many different factors that go into this decision. Enjoy it for what it is. Every moment of it. If, if, if you're only going to shoot one duck, Welcome to the Foul Front Podcast, part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. Hey, Foul Front, it's Hannah from Oak Barn Beef. We're giving away a box of steaks, jerky, and more premium beef exclusively for the listeners of the Foul Front. To sign up, head over to foulfront.com and click on the Oak Barn Beef Giveaway tab to enter into this giveaway. Thanks, and we can't wait for you to try our Nebraska-raised and dry-aged premium beef. All right, welcome to the Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast Migration Report and Weekly Content Review. Uh, this week, we are using the Powderhook app 
as our source for migration reports. And we will be doing so for the next five weeks. The Powderhook app is full of useful features and the migration report is a very small yet powerful part of that. And if you haven't already downloaded the app and submitted your report on there uh, to participate in this giveaway that we're doing, go do that now or as this weekend hits and you're in the marsh or in the field. Uh, Each time you submit a waterfowl report, you will be entered for a chance to win an entire case of federal premium black cloud with a shot and size of your choice. So make sure you get in there and participate and it gives us more data to analyze on this episode. So today I am joined by Alex Wallace, who was, he was on last week for our perils of waterfowl hunting and risk mitigation episode. And I'm joined by Jameson Thies from Snows Down Low and uh, his new media company, Center Punch Creative. Alex, Jameson, how are we doing? I'm doing pretty good. Watching the weather, getting ready for the weekend and the uh, short work week next week and getting ready to get out in the field, prepping some gear and look forward to chatting about where the birds are. Jameson, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing well, Ben. I appreciate you having me on here. Um, We're just, uh, we're staying busy here in uh, Nebraska and uh, just kind of honestly preparing already for the upcoming conservation season. Uh, There's it's pretty hectic then, so it's pretty much work now, and maybe don't have to work quite as hard later. So just doing that, and uh, definitely looking forward to taking some time over to Thanksgiving to enjoy and find myself outside a little bit too. Yeah, and Jameson, for those that don't know kind of what you do, you want to talk a little bit about Snows Down Low and Center Punch Creative? Yeah, Sure. Um, so Snows Down Low, we started that back in 2015. It is um, basically our, our main products are e-caller sounds that I recorded myself uh, in the field. And, uh, you know, in the wild of wild birds, they're super authentic, uh, unique sounds, very unique. And uh, we also build e-callers and um, uh, hunting uh, apparel like hoodies and uh, lifestyle apparel, hats, things like that. And we have some pretty interesting stuff we are working on. I can't really allude to that too much quite yet because we're still uh, talking to some uh, hmm, talking to some people that are working with it on a uh, with working on it with us, I should say. So I can't really give too much of a sneak peek on that, but stay tuned for some interesting stuff there. Um, and Center Punch Creative is something that. Um, is a new thing we're doing. I've been working in the creative and development agencies for quite a while, but we do work that's like uh, build a new website for a city or, um, you know, uh, shopping malls and stuff like that, which is fine and great, but it's not really where my passion lies. So it's just kind of time to break out of the work mode and get into something that's really passionate and uh, provide Development, creative services, website design, business card, logos, apparel design, you know, stickers, any, literally anything that a small business owner in the outdoor industry could need to build and promote their, their company and their product is what we want to help with. So that's, it's really exciting and it's, it's really fulfilling in that way that we're helping somebody kind of reach towards their dreams and that means a lot more than a city you know getting a new website so 
it's it's fun. Hopefully, you see some more of our work here pretty soon. Yeah, and for those that uh, you know don't know, uh, it, your app uh, is called Hunt Snows, right? Correct. For Snows Down and Low, we built that app actually. Yeah, you you built that yourself, right? Myself and my colleague, developer friend that we've worked together since these two thousand. Uh, about 2004, I think it's been. So, yes, I am an old guy, but it's, you know, we have a lot of experience to bring to the table. And it's, you know, technology has changed so much in the past few years, but imagine how much it's changed in the past, you know, 15 years. Back when we had like a indestructible Nokia brick phone um, now, and it's basically you have a computer in your pocket nowadays, and there's so much more to it, but we've been through it all and have experience with it. So it's pretty cool. We can, we can bring a lot to the table with, with the experience and apply it to today's technology really opens up a lot of opportunity. Yeah. Now, Alex, you're down in Texas, right? Houston area, uh, San Antonio, San, San Antonio. They're all the, you know, they're all the same. It's all, to me. It's all the same. Yeah. Latitude. Yeah. Um, and then Jameson, you're from Southeast Nebraska, correct? Correct. Just about an hour South of Lincoln, um, about two, two, two and a half hours Northwest of Kansas city. So that's kind of, if you can triangulate that, it's kind of in a nice little area. Yeah. Yeah. Right outside of Beatrice, I think. Correct. And in the town of 62 people. Oof. Yeah. They even have a stop one. No, no. Stop sign that, you know, nobody pays attention to, but that's about it. Do you have a flashing yellow light, though? No. No, mm. not even that. That's like the wow. next. Usually you get a flashing yellow light, and then, you know, five or 600 people later, you get a, a, a you know, a stoplight. Well, where did we so have like to get to to get a, even a functioning stop sign? Um, I think you have to have more than one horse in the town. <laughs> oh, or in we might have we might have one or two. There's there's uh, cows and stuff. Do those count? Maybe maybe not. I don't know. That's where I'm at. I can, but you know what? It's great because I can walk about fifty feet and I see nothing but open ground. That which is, is pretty awesome. admirable. Yeah, if my wife wasn't so attached to uh, bigger cities. I would definitely be talking uh, her into moving somewhere outside of Lincoln. So, yeah, yeah it's a great day. area. Okay, on to the podcast review and content highlight of the week. I'm not going to call it a countdown anymore, unless you want me to do the countdown. Uh, in which case, I will. I will bring it back. All right. I listened to the Big Honker podcast this week, episode 233, their post-dive bomb hunt and recap with some crazy stories about snow goose hunting, which was pretty fun. Jeff and Andy give a rundown of the duck and goose hunt that they had with the dive bomb crew, and then uh, one of their guides, Austin Kaufman, hops on and tells some of the funnier stories about guiding snow goose hunts, and then listening to the stories that he's heard from uh, other snow goose guides. All right. Next is um, the warden's watch episode 
number 20 uh, in a case that took like two and a half years to investigate through special operations division of the Ohio department of natural resources. Uh, this week, his guest Ron Aulis and his team were able to take down one of the largest poaching crime ring enterprises in Ohio history. And it's intense. Go give the warden's watch podcast a listen today. All right, uh, I've been, you're probably not going to like this if you're just here for the waterfowl content, but I've been listening to Wired to Hunt uh, with Mark Kenyon, and man, he is motivating. Definitely makes me miss being out in the deer woods, and is actually, I'm looking forward to, to deer hunting next year. Anyways, they talk about their rutcation, whatever the heck that is. Um, taking a couple days off during the rut and kind of how they attacked it. And made me jealous for sure. Uh, then I listened to the the Meat Eater uh, podcast, episode one hundred ninety five, hunting the Anthropocene, and finally, Meat Eater has published some duck hunting and some waterfowl hunting content, which we've all been waiting for, I'm sure. And if you're thinking, what the hell is an Anthropocene? Go check that out. Um, it's actually a really good episode. They did a they did some hunting up in South Dakota, uh, and it highlights a lot of the flooding issues that you know a lot of the Midwest and particularly South Dakota has had. Pretty pretty fun. So, all right, another uh, podcast that I listened to is the Hunting Collective, episode eighty eight. And this week, host Ben O'Brien takes on a pretty cool opinion or. or, or I guess lens of something that's really serious. And in fact, this episode really kind of made me sad and um, made me really got me kind of Debbie downer, really negative Nancy about all the the bad stuff that we're doing to the environment and uh, everything that factory farming has kind of done to the, and, and these people that he's talking to, they're doing what's called regenerative rege, regenerative agriculture. And it's a lot of talk about dirt. You know, another podcast that talked about dirt this week was On the Wing podcast uh, hosted by Pheasants Forever. And that was a lot of dirt talk and how important the soil is to the habitat and ultimately the game that we're taking off of that habitat. So... All right, that was a quick rundown of some of the podcasts I think uh, might be worth your time listening to if you didn't catch any of them. Hopefully, I titillated you into listening to one of them. So, let's head on over and talk to Scott and Bryce about the YouTube stuff. In fact, I think we're calling this Scott and Bryce's uh, new tube segment, but we'll see. Hey, this is Bryce. And I'm Scott. We're coming to you from Nebraska with our YouTube videos from the week. Uh, First up, I've got one from Daybreak Outdoors. Uh, The guys from Daybreak in Missouri go to Kansas and set up and lay out blinds in a field off a lake and are catching groups of 500 birds at a time coming off the lake to feed. Uh, They end up taking 40 mallards in the last 40 minutes of their hunt. My second video is from The Hunting Beast with Dan Ingfault. Dan's video, Can't Hardly Hit Him. Dan breaks down some of his frustrations 
from recent hunts and misses on this season and then responds to some of the internet haters who are getting mad at him for missing deer. Uh, as he puts it, there's some years where a deer can't walk within 40 yards of them without getting killed and some years he can't hit them at 10 and then breaks down a, a miss on a, a big buck that they'd never seen on the property before that was trailing doe walking in front of him. My final video for the week was Josh with Outdoor Limits does a solo kayak mallard mallard hunt on big water. Goes out on his uh, quack yak, as he puts it, with three dozen decoys, a dozen mallards, dozen teal, and a dozen goose. And gets just a single man limit on a cold Kansas morning. And those are my top three for the week. Videos I watched this week that I enjoyed was a High Prairie Sportsman video where he hunts with his buddy in a timbered slough out of an A-frame blind, and they kind of get, it's an afternoon hunt, they get some birds roll, rolling in slowly through the trees. Another one would be the Cherry Creek Outdoors video, where he goes on a solo canoe hunt with a DIY blind that he made, which he'll be putting out a video on to show how he made it. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing that because I have a canoe also, and I'd like to try something like that. The other thing he does is he throws a trolling motor on it this week, which I know Ben has a little experience with a trolling motor on a small boat. It looked like a pretty fun time, something I think I might like to try out at some point. Third video is uh, Claudio Angaro's Hired to Hunt. I watched his, I believe it was the first episode of this season for him, and I like Claudio's videos because he puts a huge amount of attention on the scout and then you also get to see them interact with their guides. And then in this first video of this year, you get to see their gear shed, which is something that I think as waterfowlers, we all be pretty envious of. Of course, he's taken out a whole crew of staff members and then also taking guys that are paying to hunt. So you can imagine a lot of dollars spent on, on gear there. And then as a, as a little bonus, I watched a quick video from a freelance duck hunter where he, he just shows a simple uh, duck breast recipe that he does in order to consume ducks quickly. After that, I got a little migration report for you here from central Nebraska. I'm seeing uh, huge numbers of, of geese still and starting to see more mallards flying around. Uh, I'm hoping to fill my deer tag early this weekend and then scout and shoot some ducks the rest of the time. So hopefully those birds will still be sticking around this weekend. All right. Thank you very much, Scott and Bryce. I appreciate you guys taking the time out of your week to let us know what video content you guys enjoyed. All right, folks, it's time for the migration report powered by Powderhook. It's the evening of November 21st, and we just had, here in Kansas, we had a nice little cold front push through. Um, and I'm seeing some geese and some ducks, both in the sky and starting to hit. Actually, around here, uh, it's pretty rare, I think, for them to hit the small water because I live right between two of the biggest lakes in Kansas. I've been seeing them hitting the small ponds on my, on my way to work, so I am really pumped about that. I've caught a couple of groups of geese and on some cut corn, uh, but haven't seen a big wad of birds myself personally. And, uh, you know, I'm just I'm pumped to get out this weekend and see some fresh birds in the area. Yeah, it's um, we're in that kind of a weird, weird area right now where it's kind of we typically get that October real cold front and push a lot of the birds come through and uh, November warms up you know this part of the country typically I mean I can't remember 
a mid to late November in the recent history that's been just really cold. So it's it's typically pretty nice weather, but nothing's around. Like you said, it's just kind of everything's kind of still moving its way down from Canada into the Dakotas. And what's what was here is already in Kansas or, or south of uh, south of you even, Ben. So you, you know, Oklahoma's starting to pick up a lot of birds and Texas even. I think that uh, maybe Alex can shed a little bit more light on that. Oh yeah, like we, um, I mean, last year. So my my first season here in Texas, you know, we the problem we had was that it didn't get cold up north quick enough, and so birds didn't really make it down here in the numbers that. And it, being my first season, it was a lot of his, historical knowledge I was getting from folks that I was hunting with. Um, but I, I kind of lived it this year. It's a totally different story. Like we had, I mean, the teal kind of moved when you know right right on cue they were they were down. And then, you know, especially the first opening weekend here for us was the first week in November, November 2nd. So it opened up. So it's been open here for a, few, for a couple of weeks now. And we had a lot of birds opening weekend. And then it kind of died off as the weather leveled down. And then we got that Arctic blast that came through and dropped the, dropped the temperature down 20 degrees. My wife and I were actually driving back from an unsuccessful hunting trip and um we saw a lot of teal but we didn't see a lot of big ducks and then 48 hours later there was all kinds of big ducks in so we saw pintails gadwall uh spoonies you know a lot of the the, the gray ducks we don't see a whole lot of mallards down here um in this part where i'm at and then you know at the same time we got a lot of divers in so i'm anxiously watching the the front that's sitting over oklahoma right now and uh, to get out this weekend and it's supposed to get a little bit cooler here but we've we've definitely seen the birds and i'm anticipating a good a good weekend and then a lot of them just stall out on the coast you know, they'll, they'll make it this far and it never really gets cold enough to move them much further and so it's like the more cold fronts you guys get up there that push them down the more birds that end up just kind of stacking up down here which is is good for us that's i miss that a lot about texas and new mexico when i was hunting birds down there is i you know, I'd watch the the fronts come through and I knew we'd get some fresh birds, but then it usually stalled out kind of where we were. We'd get a couple 10, 20 degree drops in temps, but uh, it was just nice because the birds, they kind of just stage there. It's like they skip over a lot of the, you know, uh, central part of the, of the states and then they all kind of stage up there until it's time to really really moves south and you, if anybody hasn't experienced new mexico or texas duck hunting it is something you got to go check out which is you know that totally caught me by surprise when i moved here you know i've always heard about louisiana and arkansas you know the western west tennessee missouri like being these big kansas kansas yeah, yeah. Uh, the dakotas being these big states and when i got down here um i i you know i have a friend of mine uh, i was talking about in the last episode and he runs an outfit here and we, um, you know, he was like, Oh yeah, this is one of the like biggest unsung duck States in the country. I was like, what, what do you mean? And I got to looking at it and there's so many guide services down here and, you know, they advertise that you could kill like up to you know, 10 species, 10 different species of ducks in a trip. Like if, you know, between everybody's limits, like you could see that many birds cause they just sit here. And, um, the lake that I hunt, I, it's really, I'm fortunate because it's a, it's got a lot of shallow flats but it's also got a lot of big open, big water almost. And last year, if uh, if I wanted to change things up, I could go hunt divers and, you know, ringnecks and things like that and, and uh, uh, redheads and stuff that would sit here. Um, so it's, it, it is really something unique. And uh, my buddy that's flying in for Thanksgiving, 
I told him, I was like, Hey, you need to come down and do a duck trip. And he, he couldn't buy his plane tickets fast enough because he knew, you know, he's, he's been a lifelong duck hunter to do a small kid. And, uh, he's really looking forward to getting down here because it is kind of, it is, it is something to go and read about and see. Yeah. I, uh, totally I'll tell you agree. what, um, Alex, uh, I see pictures. I never duck hunted Texas, but I see the pictures that come out of there in Oklahoma. And I'm like, man, you gotta be kidding me. The number of, of beautiful ducks that are there, it's just remarkable. Uh, like long sprig pintails and just fully plumed, you know, teal and any and everything you can imagine. Other than, like you said, you don't get a lot of mallards, but the ducks that you do get, they're remarkable. Yeah, last year I had the, I got to go hunt around East Texas. Um, and yeah, by the time they get here, you're right. They're all, they're all, I mean, the first duck I killed in Texas was a fully colored out uh, Drake green wing teal. Um, and then the first big duck I killed here was a full, like full pintail, long sprigs. They're in my truck right now. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, when they do get here, and if you, if you watch, like, if you watch some of the outdoor TV shows, a lot of folks, uh, the Mojo Outdoors has done a couple of, of television shows, and they're in El Campo, Texas, which is about two hours from me here. And it's just renowned for its teal hunting. Um, so, I, once again, it's been educational for me to get here. And then, yeah, like you said, when the birds get down here, especially right now, like, I'm very anxious about getting out this weekend because we should start seeing some birds in color, um, especially based on the pictures I'm seeing in a lot of people's reports. Yeah. Yeah. I think I picked up a lot of bad habits when I was, uh, first starting out in Texas and New Mexico. Not, and I wouldn't say bad habits, but just, you know, tactics and techniques and expectations, uh, that you have down there, you know, shooting a, a dirty plumed teal, uh, it, during teal season is kind of, it was weird for me to like get up here and be like, why is this thing not more beautiful? Um, <laughs> normally it's, you know, normally it's bloomed out. Well, and so. the, yeah, it's, it's the, and then the other, well, the one thing I'll tell you the trade-off though, is by the time they get here, they've seen everything. So like mojos don't work down here as well. At least my observation has been that we've done better, like not even putting a mojo out and with relatively little calling, so, like, you really have to put in the scouting time to be in a place the birds want to be um, because they're pretty educated. You know, the ones that have made it down here at this point in the season and, and, and going on, you know, getting even further, our season ends January 21st uh, or thereabouts. Um, you know, they're the survivors. They're the ones that have made it. And so that, that's the trade-off. You get great birds. And if you're on the X, it works. But otherwise, it, it can be if, if, you're, if you're messing around too much, then they're pretty smart on you. Now, when I was down there in El Paso and New Mexico, I, you know, I was a cheapo. And so I said, you know, I got some dove mojos. I'll just use those. And I, I used those and I had a lot of success. We'd run five or six dove mojos in our spread. Now, we never kept them uh, in the spread. We always put them way out just to draw birds. And uh, we, we used those with a lot of success out there in near El Paso and New Mexico and uh, I tried pulling that trick up up here in Kansas, and it does not work as well. <laughs> yeah, but there's a lot of guys. They a lot of guys down here. They'll only use the the uh, mojos in in early teal. 
and then like the first couple of weeks of big duck season and then they and then they put them away in fact one of my really good friends who's hunted texas for several years he told me this year and we hunt together a lot he told me this year he's like i'm not even getting them out <laughs> that's and um and in the last two hunts we've gone out and we've we've focused more on jerk rigs and some other type of motion and it it seems to it seems to work so we'll see how long the tactic lasts motion is key always absolutely all right now i'm not a weatherman so bear with me here but i am a i am an avid duck hunter with about 10 different weather websites that i check frequently so take this all with a grain of salt um here in here in kansas the week started off pretty hot uh and we had a little front roll through this morning this uh, that would be thursday morning with like a 20 degree temperature drop putting us uh, back to the mid 40s and there was some rain that came along with it we had some snow last week when i shot my deer but i swear that that front pushed out all the birds and did not bring much with it at least here in the northern flint hills uh it's it's thursday night when we're recording this and it looks like there's a cold front that's following last night's cold front currently it's on the like south dakota north dakota line it's pushing south spanning from like the great lakes all the way over to montana and then the cold front that we got this morning it it hit new mexico this afternoon and stalled out over oklahoma and should be hitting you alex and arkansas by the time that people are listening to this so yeah and it also it looks like the Dakotas, Montana, Nebraska, Wyoming, they're all kind of hitting freezing temperatures right now with the coast kind of hovering in the 40s and everyone below the Mason-Dixon line seems to have perfect back patio grilling weather. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm looking at the at my radar Pro app and I use that a lot just to watch the, the fronts as they move around and it's live. And today, as we go through the migration reports, um, you know, that's something I'll add on to a lot of it is just the, what the weather is in those places and uh, compare that to a, uh, I, I went and looked at a Delta Waterfowl puts out a mid-month uh, migration report as well. So I've been kind of comparing along with what's been on Powderhook just to see and, and draw some correlations. Yeah. And yeah. I have some data that I've been able to research and pull in some numbers from some recent waterfowl surveys um, that covers a few, at least a few of our reports. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm tracking the, uh, the snow line is pretty much hanging out on the border of the U S and Canada, North Dakota, Wyoming, parts of Western Nebraska, South Dakota, along with Montana. They've, they've got some, I, it looks at life at least some significant snow cover. And then obviously the, uh, the frigid North woods of, of Maine and Vermont look like they've got some snow as well. So. Yep. That's about spot on right now. Um, so it looks like it's creeping a little bit into yeah, a little bit into Northern Nebraska, but not a whole lot. Yeah. So a lot of, uh, a lot of crops still uncovered, uh, in the central flyway at least. So that's looking, looking good. Should we get into the uh, the first migration report, guys? Yeah, sounds good. Let's do it. All right. So migration report number one that we're going to be covering from the – now, we pulled all these from Powderhook. And uh, so if you haven't submitted yours, go ahead and do that now, or at least when you're, when you're done hunting. But let's head on up to Ohio, about an hour south of Lake Erie. 
the report from this powder hook user says coots are plentiful and large number of buffalo head and some ruddy ducks are in the area. Coots have been around for a couple days and the buffalo heads just showed up. Okay, I'm just, let me stop you there for a second, Ben. I got a question. This is something that bugs me and probably bugs a lot of people. Um, I have never seen the coot migration. And I don't even know what it is. Do they do they fly? Do they run? I, I don't know. It seems like there's no coots. And then one day you go back out to your pond and there's just the water is black. There's coots everywhere. And I didn't see him fly in. Like you're outside, you you know, you're doing whatever, you get in the mail. Oh, there goes a flock of mallards. Oh, there goes some Canada's. You never go, oh heck, there goes some coots. So I would love to know how they migrate. I mean, that's a serious I think, like I think you know, they I think they spontaneously combust from the mud. Just like bubble up. They just <laughs> like they, they like they know it's the season and just appear. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure I've seen. So they hi- like uh, hibernate. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they're like toads. They, you know, they, they, they just hang into out in the mud and then hatch yeah. like a like a like a moth or something, and then boom, there they are. Maybe they just migrate. At, I don't know. At a high altitude, we can't see them, and then they just dive in one day. One of my most embarrassing moments. I, I had a couple of my my work buddies, and I took them out, and. Uh, I told them like, Hey, we shoot a lot of ringnecks on this pond. This was in Oklahoma. And so this, this group comes flying in and I, I'm not joking you. I said, ringnecks, shoot them. And, uh, lo and behold, it was about, it was about four coots, but I can't, that was the <laughs> first time I'd ever seen them more than a foot off the water. And, uh, man, it had me scratching my head, really evaluating, uh, who I was as a, uh, um, uh, as an ornithologist, as a bird hunter, like it was, uh, it was bad. It was embarrassing. They were locked well, up. Did you shoot them? I mean, did you shoot them? Oh yeah, we shot them. Did you eat them? Were they any good? I mean, I, you know, uh, my buddy Ian, actually from Powderhook, he has a great coot recipe. Now I turned those into dog treats because <laughs> at that point I was still subscribing to the camp that coots are inedible. Uh, but uh, apparently you can cook their legs up. I guess the breast isn't much to be desired, uh, but you can cook their legs up and make some pretty, pretty good uh, Super Bowl party wings. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't, I mean, here, I think the limit is like 15 and uh, I mean, you can pretty much get like 15 if you kind of Arkansas them or whatever you want to, because they don't fly, you know? So, uh, I mean, what do you do? Right. But um, yeah, you could feed your family with them things. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm, I guess I've just never seen in any report somebody just sitting proudly over their limit of coots, like draped over their boat or like on their lanyard. Just, yes, look what I did today. I suspect that they heard in though. That's my, that's my, that's, that's how I think they, they come around. Well, it's an interesting, <laughs> anybody, anybody right. listening has a suggestion as to the, uh, Quick appearance of coots through the migration or, you know, how they migrate or if you've ever seen literally coots on the wing migrating, jump over to the listener group on Facebook and we'd love to hear about it. And uh, if you're a coot commander and have some great recipes, um, you know what, let's share those too. 
All right, let's move on to our second migration report. So we're going to head over, uh, we're going to head west from Ohio over to South Dakota. Uh, actually, more specifically, East River, South Dakota. Have you ever talked to anybody um, from South Dakota? Mm, I, I guess, guess I, I do. I, I take that back. I work with a lady that does. She's from South Dakota, now that I think about it. So, yes. There's, there's two ways that you, I guess, describe where you're from from South Dakota. And uh, I learned, I picked up on this trick because I went to college with a guy from South Dakota and you, someone says, Oh, I'm from South Dakota. And you can immediately show your prowess in Midwestern uh, geography and whatever you want to call that by saying, Oh yeah, East river or West river. Huh. And uh, everybody from East river apparently has like a, a college education uh, from a, you know, a good university. And then everybody from West river um, South Dakota is from a town that you basically they name their towns like animal name and then some sort of descriptor of that animal. So it'd be like uh, eagle's neck or <laughs> trout tail. That's at least that's how I was described on South Dakota naming from East River to West River. I will be following up with my South Dakotan workmates on this and I will get back to you because I'm, I'm very interested now and maybe I'll go check out a map and throw that by them tomorrow and see if they pick up on it. Maybe, maybe I'll earn some, some coworker points. Yeah. East river, West river. That's all you got to ask. And people immediately think that, you know, something about South Dakota. All right. So the report from the South Dakota powder hook user is that migration is in full swing. They had another excellent veterans day hunt. They had some snow and some strong North wind and the birds decoyed. Perfect. They limited out an hour. They also posted a photo, which I was not able to pull up, uh, unfortunately, but, um, yeah. What do you guys know about, uh, South Dakota? I know that they were featured. There was a couple of features on the Delta, uh, the Delta migration report in South Dakota. And I was looking at the weather system and I was the, the forecast says there's not supposed to, or they aren't supposed to get any major weather systems pushing through in the next few days. Um, but with the snow cover map being what it is, I, I, I imagine like if there's still birds around, it'd be pretty good, but um, it looks like it's going to be pretty steady. Uh, but I'm going to see, I'm just going to track the the snow and the weather and the, and uh, the reports, I don't have any Facebook friends up there. So I pretty much have to rely on exterior things like powder hook or anything yeah, else. And for like it. Ben alluded to earlier with the snow line, there's, um, you know, pretty much everywhere that we have um, snow up in Canada and Alberta, you know, stuff like that. Saskatchewan is frozen. It's snow covered. So everything's pretty much, you know, south of the border now, North Dakota, but a lot of South Dakota. And uh, even just the past few days, we've been seeing a lot of, uh, reports, things like that, of uh, snow geese up there, like lots of snow geese, and um, that's actually looking to be pretty promising for the for this season and spring conservation 2020. So it's uh, looking pretty good. And there's, of course, Canada's and mallards and those hardy birds that don't like to move uh, just because. So there should be some some epic hunting in South Dakota for the next week or so for sure. Um, I was able to pull up some some data. They do a kind of a survey of the Missouri River area, which is, of course, just part of South Dakota. But um, they picked up 30,000 snows on Lake Andes in the past week. 
and uh looks like there's quite a few ducks showing up so and there's a lot of Canada showing up too Canada geese uh southern South Dakota southeast South Dakota so should be some pretty good hunting now is that an is that enough snows to kind of like get you raising your eyebrows since you're our kind of resident snow goose guy? Is that something that you pay attention to? You're like, ah, oh, thirty thousand snows. The snow, and, mi- is snow it typical goose migration for this time of year? is fairly typical throughout. You know, throughout the flyway, really, you'll start to see. In fact, they already are showing up in um, you know Northwest Missouri, um, Kansas, and stuff like that. And they just they don't have the numbers as they do in the spring. So what I think happens is as the birds migrate from Canada and all those northern breeding grounds, they do so in their colonies and even large family groups within the colonies. So you end up with a much slower sort of spread out migration. Whereas in the spring, once they get down south, everything just kind of congregates and they go back north in not one big mass, but there's a big push and then kind of a middle migration and then sort of a tail end, but it's definitely much more concentrated. So th- these numbers are just an in kind of an indicator there um, of what's kind of moving. And, and that's pretty seasonal, pretty typical for the season right now on these. Yeah. And the, the weather I was looking up there and I was like, man, it's going to be a comfortable hunting weather too. Like it, it seems like, there was a, a place to go and lay out that yeah. would not be a bad place to be. All right, let's let's head a couple hundred miles south from South Dakota, and uh, we got a report from Lincoln, Nebraska. And so, on a clear morning of the nineteenth of November, a couple days ago, someone reported that they're starting to get into that awkward time between early ducks and mallards and the geese showing up. So they're hoping that a little weather in the next week or so can push some more down. Yeah. So it seems like it's pretty similar to the, the Dakotas that front that's sitting over Oklahoma right now is, is kind of left it all pretty uh, stale there, but they do have there in Nebraska. They get some weather that's coming off the, the Rockies. Uh, looks like so a couple of systems that are coming over the mountains. So I don't know how that'll really affect anything, but as far as like significant, um, you know, significant event that might change that, uh, doesn't look like it's in the forecast, at least for the next five yeah. days or so. Uh, and I'm in southeast Nebraska, just about an hour south of Lincoln. So I can uh, you know, validate that report. And um, like you were saying, Alex, about the weather, the stuff that comes out of the Rockies, it, it rarely gets to eastern Nebraska in sort of any sort of uh, impactful form. We get stuff that comes down through in other ways. But, uh, you know, western Nebraska is a lot higher elevation too than we are in the eastern portion of the state you know that's getting up towards the rockies and um there's some areas there that are you know a few thousand feet or more and whereas eastern nebraska lincoln area were you know 1300 1500 elevation so it's just a little different but for what the the powder hook user submitted there yeah we are in that sort of weird there's nothing going on. There's birds that are already through here and they're down into Kansas, uh, Oklahoma, whatnot. And then we have birds yet to come. They're in South Dakota, but they're not going to move unless there's snow and cold. You have to have both actually. So we're kind of, we're in a bit of a waiting game right now. And what is here as far as Canada's and 
I mean, there's some allers and stuff around, but they've pretty much found their buddies at the parks and lakes and things like that. So they're just kind of hanging out and they'll do their routine and go feed. Other than that, you can just wait. But uh, the best is yet to come if you're into green heads and big Canadas. They're on the they're on their way. Uh, just a question for you is that does that like the colder temperatures or snowfall push birds like out of western Nebraska in any significant like does that make any kind of noticeable difference to you if it starts to get anything off the mountains and improve the hunting really in the doesn't. east there? So birds typically don't they'll they'll migrate oh, down okay. the Platte River. So the Platte River runs from western Nebraska all the way through the state, kind of does a, a little bow up through the center uh, northern portion, and then comes back down. Uh, in um, Omaha and connects in with the Missouri. So you do get birds kind of trading up and down the plat, but they won't like migrate from Western Nebraska, you know, typically to Eastern Nebraska. What we get comes mostly from the Dakotas. So birds in the West, they start to get cold snow. They'll stick it out. And there are some incredible spots out there that, uh, you know, warm water sloughs and, Places that are you just read about, you dream about them, they're out there. And, and there's some incredible late season hunting that can happen out in western Nebraska. But a lot of those birds just end up going through Colorado and down into uh, New Mexico. They just don't head over this way too much. Uh, I'm looking at the long range weather forecast for South Dakota right now, and it looks like it it'll be around the first of or first of December before they're predicting like any real significant temperature drop. Like, I mean, when I'm talking significant, I mean like tens of degrees uh, for the daytime high. So it may be it may be that time, it may be that long. You know, at least I mean that's that's the AccuWeather 25 day you know lookout. So as I'm looking at the trends, that and that's you know that seems to be where the systems are too right now. So okay. Yeah. All right. Let's head about uh, a couple hours southeast there uh, from Lincoln and head into some southeast Kansas. So this powder hook uh, user reports that recent cold fronts pushed birds from the from north into the area. And he's traveled several several hundred miles in the last couple of days for work through western Kansas back to his home in the Flint Hills. This is not me, by the way. I did not submit this this uh, report. Uh, there are large numbers of birds in Hayes and Dodge and Great Bend and the most places in between. So he's noticed that most of the birds he's been seeing are in big congregations, all feeding off the same field. And he has not picked up multiple feeds in the same general location. So it sounds like they are uh, concentrating on, on particular fields. And he says this could be due in part to where he's either where he's working and not being able to actively scout or that the birds are tending to feed late at night and loaf most of the days with extremely above average temperatures. Birds are yet to be hard pressed to feed, but if you can find a place that they're loafing, you stand a great opportunity at success. um, That area of Kansas is really remarkable between the Flint Hills and the Cheyenne bottoms. You have uh, three or four different refuges and, you know, big bodies of water. It's uh, it's quite something. So, like Kerwin, yes, they posted a report actually today. Um, they had just over seven thousand ducks, most of which were mallards. Um, they only had a little less than a thousand Canada geese, but they had 
145,000 snows. And that's, you know, Squaw Creek to the east of their ways is, you know, they put up 150,000, I think was their count just the other day. So the snow goose migration is definitely moving along pretty well. 145,000 birds is enough to chase for sure. And um, down in Corvera, they had 12,000 geese and a couple thousand ducks as well. So, yeah, Kansas is, is really... Kansas is really doing well right now. Yeah, that matches with what I'm seeing on on the other on, on reports and with like folks on Facebook and, and the groups that I'm a part of. And it seems like they got that that, that weather they're getting now a level off. And you know, I suspect it's going to be pretty good going through the weekend and then calm down a little bit as everybody heads into that 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 work for a couple of days prior to Thanksgiving. But I mean, if they don't have a reason to move, they're going to stick around. And if there's that much area for them. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't see their condition changing anytime soon. Although I'd, I'd like for them to yeah, send a few birds yeah. my way. That'd be nice. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it looks like I'm supposed to get some snow here in the North Flint Hills this weekend with a, another pretty good temperature drop, like you were saying. So I am excited to get out and hunt on Saturday. Um, if nothing else, the high winds will at least get the birds moving around from from place to place and keep them keep them guessing yep. about where they want to stick around for too long. Yeah. One thing that I wish that I, I need to figure out, and I might go and explore some like farm apps or something. It's like um, when when certain fields are going to be moved around. I know it probably doesn't exist, but like when are they going to cut? When are they going to harvest? When are they going to tell? Because you know you you read about you know like this user said that they they want to be on these specific fields they want to be and they want to feed and loaf and I you know I watch a lot of the folks when they're scouting and they're looking for a certain condition and I, I think that just like we have so many other automated features for weather and things like that like that's probably the next thing to come. Oh man, that would be <laughs> yeah, that'd be something. So. All right, let's uh, let's get on down into Louisiana. Uh, just about 60 miles off the Gulf powder hook user reported that he's got lots of activity on open river and he seems, uh, to be finding some good groups and they're decoying pretty easy and working well with the calls. Yeah, I saw, I see lots of gray ducks on the migration report from Louisiana. Um, and it looks like they're going to get cooler through the next week. And that front that's, that's come through right now, um, you know, up, up where you're up in Kansas and up in Oklahoma, it's pushing kind of through Northwest Arkansas. Um, I, I think that's going to set them up for some, some really, some really great Thanksgiving hunts. You know, if, if, if they're not already, I mean, they've already got some birds, it seems down there, but uh, I think they're just going to get better in the next couple of weeks. And especially with the system pushing down, you know, last year was really hard for guys in like the, the Mississippi Delta and Arkansas, you know, your typical, just, you think of duck hunting, you think of duck hunting and the, timber down there and uh it it was just so so bad there were no birds literally one of the worst seasons in history you know at least in recent history of anybody that's been hunting down there for a while um so i think that they definitely are are ready for some some cold weather up here to push some birds down there and have a legit good duck season again Yeah, that's that was that seems like this whole southern area. You know, when I talk to, I've got friends in Georgia and Florida, 
And then, like you said, Louisiana, Mississippi, and it was the same story. And then you look at the, you go back and look at the historical weather patterns. It just, it, they all hung out in New Jersey or they, uh, they all hung out in Missouri, not New Jersey, uh, Missouri and, and up there in Kansas. And everybody had great seasons there and they never left. And yeah. then they just went back North again. So yeah, you're right. They're, they're due. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk in the last, you know, two seasons about crops and us flooding cornfields and things like that. But I think really like what it comes down to is having a good hard winter that'll allow those birds to stage up along the, the Gulf Coast there before they, they head down into uh, Mexico and, and Central America. And uh, like you're saying is that these, you know, these small little fronts without having significant snow cover or having a significant amount of, of crop harvest up north, which we'll probably try to touch on that a little bit next week, um, getting into percentages of crops harvested, how, how that plays into the migration, because I know there's a lot of people listening that uh, pay attention to that stuff. And if, if you're one of those people, go ahead and uh, you know let us know what your opinion is and obviously include it onto your, your report as well. But uh, yeah, I... Uh, I'm hoping that the guys down in Louisiana have a little bit better of a season to, to get their hopes up. I know that they've been kind of down the last couple of years and I really do hope for a, a good migration. Push you know, on, down, on the down subject of the crops, there is, it's an interesting subject because there, there is data that supports the theory that increased crop production, uh, converting CRP into agricultural crop fields of some sort has an effect on the migration. And logically, that makes a lot of sense that there's more food. So there's, you know, reasonably the same amount of birds coming through season after season. But now, instead of there being no food, now there's food. Now there's corn. The science has, you know, advanced the ability to grow corn in uh, short cycles. Now you can grow corn in North Dakota. In that, so that's, you know, it's changed. It, agriculture on its own has had a significant impact on the migration. And that would be coincidental, you know, is it research supported? I don't think there's quite enough data out there yet to make an actual like scientific claim or, you know, whatever it is that the biologists do. But from our observations, I would say that there's definitely been an impact from it. Yeah, it makes sense when, you know, you figure the central part of the country is just a giant food plot as it stands. And then if it's a giant food plot that's only getting better, um, then, yeah, I mean, why would you leave? You know, if you kind of think about if if you're the bird and you're flying down there and you've got what you need and you're not freezing to death and you've got a lot of like hot foods, um, you know, high calorie foods that you could sit there and and, and pick on and the fields aren't snow covered, you know, and, and that was something like we talked about, like it didn't get that far south. Um, yeah, what's the motivation? Like, why fly a couple thousand miles if I don't have to? Yeah. I'll just sit right here. One interesting thing that I always saw is that, you know, I think of birds a lot of times, you know, oh, they're going to hop from one state to the next. Okay. Well, uh, you know, this week they're in South Dakota, uh, next week they're in Nebraska. And then, and then the following week, you know, they're, they're down here in Kansas. And then there's, you know, there's reports then too of mallards being, you know, tracked, um, or, or I think it was a, uh, I, I can't remember the specific birds, but hell, they'll just, they'll just skip all over, 
Um, they'll go, they'll go straight from Canada down to Louisiana, or they'll go straight from, you know, way, way, way North in Canada, straight to Kansas. And I, it's just one of those things where it's, uh, I think, I think it's a crapshoot. Some, some birds will, they'll shortstop themselves. And then yeah, there's I other birds that'll that. skip on and right now. There's a couple different, um, reports that were put out here somewhat recently. One of them was a, a speckle belly that flew 1400 or 1500 miles, just nonstop, just gone, you know, and it, that's, that's right. a lot of states, man. That's, that's like, wow. And that did it in a day or whatever, you know, and it's, you're waiting for the migration. And this has happened to me even. I'm like, okay, cool. It's cold out. Finally, I'm going to go duck hunting. And I go out duck hunting. It's like, where are all the birds? And then I go look on Facebook and stuff. And there's guys shooting beautiful pintails in Texas. And I'm like, wait a minute. Um, I didn't even see pintails fly through here. How did they get past me? And now they're gone. And it, there's so much of it that actually they are just gone. If you're waiting for the migration, chances are a fair amount of it is already past you. And, uh, and that's just, at least in Nebraska, that it's very common. But yeah, you, you can't kill them on the couch and uh, you got to get out there. And when you're out there and you're in the field every day or a lot, you see a lot and it gives you a really good sense of the migration and where things are at. Um, you can check the, like the powder hook app. Maybe that would be a barometer for that as well. But, uh, yeah, you know, you just got to get out there. Just got to get out there. No matter what, enjoy your time out there because it's really a privilege to be able to, to be out there and enjoy God's creation. And it's, it's really incredible. So no matter what, even if you go out there and the birds are all in Texas already, have a good time. All right. All things considered, Jameson, what do you think this weekend is going to look like? If I was like? in Kansas, I would definitely be hunting. Um, number of birds there sounds really good. Um, South Dakota sounds like a good place to be. Uh, Oklahoma sounds good. Uh, Nebraska, I'm probably going to work on my to-do list, honestly. But uh, it's... You know what? It's 50 some odd degrees in November. I'm going to get that, that last couple things done because I know winter's coming and it's going to be horrible. But, um, yeah, yeah, that's what I think it looks like. If you're in Kansas, Oklahoma, South Dakota, maybe a couple other places, get out there, enjoy it. Beautiful weather, a lot of birds. This, I don't think it gets much better than that. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say I'm going to concur with you. I'd say Kansas, uh, Oklahoma, maybe the northern Texas panhandle. Um, but looking at the weather, I, I think Missouri and Arkansas, uh, northwest Arkansas, might do pretty well, too, right now with that system that's kind of bowed around. Um, and that, that front timing, I think, will benefit a lot of folks this weekend because I think it's going to push through and it'll be like right on time Saturday for northwest Arkansas um in, in missouri there and then i mean i'm pretty excited about down here as well with the with the activity that's been going through up there um you know i, I think i think folks down here in the central flyway and south of the subtle part of the central flyway have a good weekend as well but yeah if i if i had a trip to make this weekend um i would probably go to kansas or yeah and and so two things i want to touch on here um you know we didn't get a lot of activity from the coasts and we didn't really cover the coasts a lot. Uh, 
And I know that there's probably some significant action heading out on the, in California and Oregon. And then, you know, all those other East coast States that there's so many of them crowded in there. I didn't want to even break out the map to, to try to name some of them off, but um, you can never also discount the small pockets of birds that are just hanging out, doing their, their different things. Um, a lot of times you'll, you'll hear some pretty negative reports about the migration in your area and you can go out and you can, you can hunt those small pockets of birds yeah, and have a, a pretty right. good, you know, two or three man shoot. So, well, the guys on the East Coast, I'm a, I'm a, I joined a couple of East Coast uh, duck groups out there, and they're they're opening weekend or they their season just opened like this like the last couple of days, and they seem to be doing pretty fair. And, and the folks in Pennsylvania were pretty excited about you know what they were seeing. Just like you said, though, it was like small pockets of birds, um, you know, here and there, and then uh, you know out out on the coast, Georgia, and a lot of the southern U.S. opens this weekend, I think, if, I, if my memory serves me right. Um, and so I'll have a updated report from some guys down in Georgia that I know that are pretty avid. Um, you know, if you want to call it Georgia swamp timber hunters. Sounds interesting. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hey, thanks again for everyone's participation and submitting your reports. It was, uh, I, I really enjoyed this format of the episode and remember to head on over powder hook and fill out your reports each one that you submit is an entrance to win a case of black cloud and obviously it helps us out and it helps us give you an idea on how this year's migration is shaping up and if you're having trouble navigating the powder hook app or you want some clarification on the giveaway head on over to our listener group in the foul front waterfowl podcast listener group on facebook and go ahead and like the uh, powder hook page as well uh like i said earlier we we didn't have time to cover every single report on here obviously but if you want a shout out make sure that you put your name inside the report and you know obviously the more analysis that you put into your your report the more likely it'll be discussed um on these episodes that's uh i think that's all the time we've got uh alex jameson you want to leave the listeners of the foul front with anything? get out there have a good weekend enjoy it send the reports post them up um i know i enjoy seeing it and you know, like living success through others on the reports and Powderhook's got a great platform for uh, the photographs. So take full advantage of it because uh, I want to live like vicariously through other people's awesome weekends, uh, especially, you know, where the, where the birds seem to be hanging out right now. Yeah. And I share that sentiment with Alex. Um, I do a lot of living vicariously through, you know, through social media and through seeing everybody's successful hunts out there. And, and even if it's, uh, you know, I'm a snow goose guy, but if you've, you know, you have a great duck shoot or Canada's or anything, I love seeing all that stuff. So share your photos and your hunts in the powder hook app and also in the listener group and, um, just get out there, enjoy it. You're in an amazing country and a beautiful experience to be out there hunting these birds and just being out there. So enjoy every minute of it. And, uh, if you can take somebody new hunting, it's always important to pass on the tradition and uh, the sport and lifestyle that we so love. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Uh, happy hunting. And I hope this helped you out. I'd love to hear your feedback on the format. And uh, go ahead and just remember why you guys are out there. All right. Have a safe one. 
Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast. Please come join us on our Facebook group, the Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast group, where you can connect with a good group of hunters because we're all in this together. We need to act like it so that hopefully our great, great grandkids will be hunting ducks over our favorite public lands. Uh, We also ask that you go ahead and give us a written review on iTunes and give us five stars if you think we deserve it. And we really do want to hear back from you uh, so that we can give you the best possible content. And if you get in on that Facebook group, you can get in there and you can ask questions and you can tell us what you want to hear next or you can tell us uh, what you don't like. And we'll be sure to tailor things to our listeners. So, all right. Stay safe out there and we will see you next week. could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know, right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome! Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. A life that has the stories to back it, a life to be proud of, it's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, a mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.